John chapter 5, verse 25, the Bible says, and moreover our Lord says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. These words of our Lord follow the words that he spoke that we studied last week in John 5, 24, which says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Last week we studied what it means to hear, to hear the word. It means to listen, to consider, to receive to accept the word. We talked about the word being the gospel, how Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, that through his death, burial, and resurrection, we have forgiveness of sins and we have hope, confident ex expectation of eternal life in his kingdom. We talked about how that salvation is accessed by faith. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me, that word believeth comes from the Greek word that is, trans, that is translated into faith. That word faith, that Greek word pistuyo, it means a deep-rooted trust. It means conviction. It means to be convicted of the truth, to know the truth, to be fully convinced of the truth, and to trust the truth, and the truth being our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the work that he did in the gospel. We learned that he that hears the word, that receives it, that considers it, that accepts it, that believes it, that believes in the Lord, has, present tense, everlasting life. Not that he will obtain everlasting life, not that he has the opportunity to be obtaining everlasting life, but that the one who believes has everlasting life, so he's not dead, he's living eternally. And the one that believes has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. I went off on that word shall. It means that this is the way it is. There are no alternatives. So the one who believes has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation. You cannot lose your salvation. You cannot come into condemnation if you believe and you know the Lord and you have been saved. God will preserve your everlasting life. By the way, everlasting life is not everlasting if you can lose it. Okay, the everlasting gobstopper is false advertising. Those things do not last forever. But eternal life in Jesus Christ, that is everlasting. Amen. Shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You've been moved from one side of the ledger that says these people are dead, and you've been moved to the other side of the ledger that says these are the living. And our Lord gives us these words. He gives us this teaching, and then he punctuates it. With the words that he speaks today, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So you hear, you receive the Lord, you receive his word, you believe, you trust the Lord, you trust what he did on the cross. Why are we going to heaven? If God were to ask you today, why should I let you into heaven? What's your answer? 
you don't have anything in and of yourself that compares to what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You don't have anything in your life that compares to the provision and the grace that he has continually bestowed upon you throughout the course of your life. We have nothing to pay back. We have nothing to match in exchange of consideration. The Lord has essentially given us a golden mansion to live in forever. And what are you going to give him in exchange for that value? You got a dollar? The dollar is not going to come anywhere close to the glory and to the blessing that he has for us in eternity. Jesus follows up John 5.24 by underscoring the importance of believing, of being saved, of being transformed. And he underscores the importance of this by discussing judgment. And in doing so, he explains the following. First, and I'm, this is not going to be as repetitive as it sounds, but we do need repetition. Those who hear will live. Those who hear will live. Secondly, we are going to be reminded this morning, and this is going to be a big part of the message, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the source of life. That God is the source of life. And we're not just talking biologically either. We're talking spiritually and eternally. And finally, we are going to learn that we will all stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. So first, those who hear will live. Jesus said in verse 25, he said, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Now bear in mind, Jesus has just given us John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever hears my word and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And truly, truly, I say to you that the hour is coming is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Lord and will live. This verse is not talking about the future judgment where we will all be called out of the graves and we will all stand before the Lord. Jesus is pivoting to that moment. He is pivoting to that teaching, but we're not quite there yet. Jesus said that the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear live. Jesus is saying that those who hear the Lord now will live. You start out in life dead. Dead is your default position. It's your default status. Condemned, judged, rejected. That's where you start. But if you hear, you're moved from death into life. Amen. You are rescued from the condemnation and you are welcomed into the family of God and there now is no condemnation for you in Christ Jesus. Before you believe, however, you are dead. Once you believe, you have everlasting life. You are passed from death unto life. But how are you going to believe if you will not hear? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 14, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We love that verse, don't we? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But Romans goes on to say, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So many people today, they want to give a nod to God. They want to say he's there. 
He exists. He's been good to me. They want to acknowledge the existence of God. And they also want to receive his full blessing. They want God to shine his grace upon them. To give them the desires of their heart. To give them joy and pleasure. But they have never heard of the Lord. They don't know who God is. They know he's there. They don't know who he is. They've heard the name Jesus. They don't really know why he's significant. But they know he's significant, but they don't know why. They haven't heard. Have they ever heard his word? So many people today want to give the nod to God, but they have never considered what his word says. <coughs> they have never considered what the gospel means, and they have never received it. And people who have never heard the word, and remember what we talk about heard, that's Listen, consider, analyze, receive, accept, believe. People who have never heard the gospel, who have never received it that way, have rejected the Lord outright. And if they have fully rejected the Lord and thus are in the default state of death and condemnation, how are they going to call upon the name of the Lord? When someone is stressed, you see what they really believe. It's easy for us to... Praise the Lord in the good times. It's easy for us to, to talk to talk when we come to church. For us to come to church and say, I believe. For us to come to church and say, God is good. For us to come to church and say, it's all good. But when we are tested, when we are stressed, when we are stretched, you find out what we really believe. That's when it comes time to call upon the name of the Lord. But if you've never received this gospel, you have never considered his word, you have never accepted his word, you're not going to call upon him. The, the calculus just isn't there. It would be like me planting a seed and hoping that that seed grows pepperoni pizzas. There's not a single plant that you can plant that will grow pepperoni pizzas for you. If they have fully rejected the Lord, how are they going to call upon the name of the Lord? They can't. And moreover, they won't. They will look to themselves. They will look to each other. They will place blame. They will not call upon the name of the Lord unless they hear the word, unless they receive the word. And the only way they will hear the word and the only way they will hear the Lord is through a preacher. And this doesn't necessarily mean an ordained preacher. It doesn't necessarily mean a pastor who has his name on the sign of a church building. A preacher is anyone who proclaims God's word. A preacher is anyone who proclaims the gospel. You can be that preacher. You can share the gospel. You can share it on Facebook. That's easy. Until Facebook bans you. That's, we're not going to go into all that this morning. You can hold someone's hand as they're crying. You can share the gospel. There was a couple that was getting divorced. They were looking at a divorce. And the husband is telling his friend that there's no hope for this marriage. We cannot repair this marriage. We cannot fix this. There's no path forward. Our only option is divorce. And his friend says, so you're telling me that the God who raised Jesus from the dead cannot raise this marriage from the dead. What did he just do? He just proclaimed the gospel. You can be that preacher. And Romans 10, 17 tells us, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. 
The word of Christ is the gospel. If you read the parable of the sower, that's the good seed. The good seed is the gospel. It's the word of God. It is the gospel. Christ is calling us to hear his word. Christ is calling us to receive his gospel and believe. And he is not only calling us to belief, he is not only calling us to faith, he is not only calling us to trust him, but he is calling us to life, to eternal life, to abundant life. And he calls us to himself, and when he calls us to himself, he is calling us to life because he is the source of life. And we forget that some days. We kind of think of life as being a default. I woke up, I'm, I'm conscious, therefore I'm alive. And we forget that the source of that life that we enjoy on a daily basis is God. We forget that the source of life is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus says in verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Life is not inherent in us. Life is a gift given to us. Life is, a, life is inherent in the Father. Life is inherent in the Son. It is in them. It is who they are. They are the source of it. My cell phone has electricity in it through a battery. But my cell phone is not the source of electricity. If you don't believe me, don't charge it for a couple of days. No, the electricity comes from the charger, which is plugged to the outlet. The outlet is plugged to a network, a grid, which is attached to a power, port, a power plant somewhere. I, I don't know if we get coal power, oil power, nuclear power. I don't know what powers the grid that we're on right now. I'm just thankful it's working. We are no more the source of life, and we no more have life in us in and of ourselves, and my cell phone has electricity in and of itself. You have to be plugged into the source of the life. Amen. And the source of the life is the Father. The source of the life is the Son. They are life. They have life within themselves. Therefore, they are the source of life. John chapter 1 verse 4 tells us, In him was life. John 1 4. In him was life. And the life was a lot of men. What is that life? We're talking about life. What is life? What is life? Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That, my friends, is life. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And the scripture goes on to say that man became a living soul. Your soul is who you are. See, I studied that, so I was ready for you. Your soul is is who you are. It is your essence. It is your being. It is your consciousness. So many people ponder the meaning of life. Why are we here? What is the point of our existence? How did we get here? And they forget about and they ignore the one who gave them life. Think about this for a second. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Adam? See, we all were born, and we all, had to, we all had to figure out who mom and dad were, and we learned to suck our thumbs, and we had, to, we had to learn to talk, we had to learn to walk, we had to learn to go to the bathroom, and that one took us a few years. And we had, we had to learn how to behave, and we went through this whole process. Adam was just there. Adam just wakes up one day, he's a grown man. Like, where'd I come from? 
And God's standing there in front of him. I made you. Whoa. That's going to blow. Now think about that for a minute. That'll blow your mind. To imagine just you're here. Adam never was a baby. He never had to learn to walk. He never wore a diaper. At least not in his infancy. Um, he was just there. God just gave him life. Is, is life and should life be any less profound to us than it was to Adam? Our consciousness, our existence, our being, who we are, God is the source of that life. Amen. He's also the source of eternal life. This is salvation. This is eternity in God's kingdom. We have no righteousness in and of ourselves. We have none. And we have no claim to salvation in and of ourselves. We have no claim to the kingdom of heaven in and of ourselves. I can't look back on anything I have done in my life and say, I know I'm going to heaven because I did this. What about your profession of faith? And that's my acceptance of the Lord as my Savior is the only reason I have hope of going to heaven. But the righteousness that brings me into heaven is not my righteousness. It's the Lord's righteousness that he gave me credit for when I trusted him as Savior. All I can do is come before the Lord with empty hands and say, I believe, I trust. And the Lord will receive me and has received me into his kingdom. There is nothing we can do that compares to Christ's redemptive work on the cross. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. He is the source of eternal life. Jesus Christ is the source of hope. He's the source of our confident expectation for living eternally in heaven. The life that is in us came from him and not ourselves. And we didn't get here by evolution and cosmic disruption in the Big Bang Theory either. He gave us life. And he gives eternal life to all who believe. We come back to this many times at this church because I believe that when we see division in churches, when we see division in Christianity, when we see conflict within the church, that conflict is driven by the fact that we get it in our heads that I've got it together and I've got the answers and I've, I, have, I have achieved this level of spiritual maturity. And when somebody differs from my understanding, they're wrong. And if they're wrong, I have a God-given authority and obligation to tell them they're wrong. And what we do is we wind up making ourselves the focus of our hope, the focus of our confidence. When we forget the gospel, this is what happens. This is what was wrong with the Pharisees, the very people that Jesus is talking to, the Pharisees. This was their problem. This is what was wrong with them. But we have no, we have no righteousness in and of ourselves. We may differ on theological issues, and that's okay. And you may very well be right, and I may very well be wrong. But we can have unity together if we are focused on the gospel. A lot of people like to pull the verse, I think it's in Amos, that says, How shall two walk together except they be agreed? What we are agreed on is the gospel. We can disagree on Bible translations and still be united in the gospel. We can disagree on the timing of the rapture and still be united in the gospel. We can disagree. This, this, this one gets me in trouble. We can disagree 
on closed communion versus closed communion. Do you have to be a church member to take communion? We can disagree on that and still be united in the gospel. Now, a lot of my brethren that believe in closed communion, they will disagree. I believe in closed communion. Many of you don't. And we leave it to yourselves to judge whether or not you are to worth, I, I, let each man judge for himself whether he is worthy to take of the Lord's Supper. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says. And we believe that and we follow that. We can be in disagreement over whether you have to be a church member to take the Lord's Supper. And we can still be unified in the gospel if we're both taking the Lord's Supper for the sake of memorializing the Lord's death. The churches that are the most gospel-focused are the churches that are most unified. And some people will say, well, that means you're compromising doctrine. No, we're not. We're placing emphasis on the doctrines that are rooted in the gospel. And we're leaving aside or we're not allowing gospel doctrines that are not tied to the gospel to become points of fellowship. Eternal life, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the source of eternal life, not we ourselves. He is also the source of abundant life. I don't preach on abundant life much. We have a church full of people who suffer, and so when I start preaching prosperity gospel, none of that makes any sense to anybody. It doesn't even make sense to me because it doesn't work for me either. But there is such a thing as the abundant life. And our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the source of abundant life. Abundant life is when we realize the gift that God has given and we see the beauty of the blessings that he has already provided. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 verses 31 through 33. Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the lost people, those who are godless seek after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Yes. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek the Lord's righteousness. Seek God's righteousness. Trust the Lord. Focus on him. See that he has given you eternal life through Jesus Christ. See your salvation. And as you turn your focus to the Lord, you will see that God has already taken care of your physical needs and he will continue to take care of your physical needs. And you will realize how amazingly he has taken care of your physical needs. He's really done a really good job. You may be going through a financial hard time right now, but he's still done a good job of taking care of you. Yes. Think about the simple things. We, in our culture today, we have been so overwhelmed with these awesome things that we forget how simple we forget how amazing the simple things are. I got a text message from a pastor in San Angelo. I'm the treasurer for the Southwest Association. He is administering a mission project for the Southwest Association. He needed a reimbursement check. We had the funds available for the reimbursement. I need to get him the money. And so I wrote a check, folded up in a sheet of paper so that the people who are looking at the mail can't tell what's in there. And I wrote an address on the front of it, put a 55 cent stamp, I think they're still 55 cents. That price keeps changing. It keeps going the wrong direction too. Put a 50, but 55 cents, you can't even buy a Coke for that now. I put a 55 cent stamp on that and, and, and it hit me. I can just go downtown and drop this in a box and somebody's gonna take this to him for me. Mm -hmm. And it only costed me 55 cents. That's amazing, isn't it? 
We make a lot of jokes about the Postal Service. It's amazing. You can pull up to a drive through window and in five minutes have a meal, and we think that's slow. That used to take you all day to, to, to feed yourself. I mean, God has taken amazing care of us. He has provided for us in an amazing way. And when you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, you start to see how amazing even the simple things, the things that you overlook, you really start to see how amazing those things really are. And this will cultivate gratitude and worship. You know, Satan, among the many businesses that he is in, one of the businesses of Satan is to distract us from how wonderful God has been to us. Satan is in the business of blinding us to God's provision and getting us to think that God has somehow shortchanged us. He's in that business. In fact, that's exactly where he went when he started talking to Eve. God told Adam, he said, of all the trees of the garden, you may freely eat, except for this one. But forget about this one. The other trees in the garden, you may freely eat. And Satan goes to Eve and says, did God say you shouldn't eat of all the trees? Notice how he structured that. Eve, you can't eat of these trees, can you? You can't eat of all these trees, can you? God's holding out on We've got maybe 100 trees in this garden. 99 of them, they can eat every peach, pear, apple, orange, fig, whatever those trees are growing. They can eat every one of them until they are full, and God will have new peaches and oranges and apples and whatever on that tree the following day, and they can do that all over again. And Satan goes to Eve and says, it's not that much really if you think about it. And suddenly she and Adam both are thinking about how God's holding out on them, and they fail to see how God has placed them in this amazing place with this amazing weather, with this amazing supply of food. Of course, they never knew anything different. But Satan distracted them from how good God was. He is in that business. You know, our Lord is the source of life. He's the source of eternal life. And he's the source of abundant life. People think that they can work their way into abundance. If I make good business decisions, if I work hard enough, if I put in my overtime hours, if I Dave Ramsey this thing, I can work my way into abundance. But God is the source of abundance. Those who try to work their way into abundance find it is just as futile as if they try to work their way into salvation. Those who try to work their way into abundance find themselves anxious over the potential for loss. I was able to earn this money, I was able to get it into the savings account, but what if something bad happens? What if inflation wipes it out? What if the stock market crashes? What if my business fails and they wind up anxious? John D. Rockefeller died one of the richest men in the world he died afraid that he wasn't going to have enough. How much will be enough? He goes, a little bit more. When will you know you're set for life? Just a little bit more. Though they have plenty, they still feel impoverished. And how tragic is that? To have everything you could possibly need, everything you could possibly want, everything in the known world at your fingertips, and you still feel like it's all a breath from being taken away from you. That's tragic. So those who here will live, our Lord is the source of life. And we do need to remember that all will stand before him on judgment day. Yes. Now sometimes 
for an added fee, you can get an extra feature. Right? Jessica has Amazon Prime. Free shipping. That was the motivation for Amazon. But we also get a video streaming service. There's all these different movies, and we can watch the movies, old TV shows. There are some movies, though, you have to pay for, you have to buy them. But you can subscribe to the premium service and get these other movies that are better. But Jessica and I are cheap. You may not think so, but we are. And so we don't subscribe to the premium service because I'm not going to pay another 15 bucks a month for the opportunity to watch a movie when I can be just as entertained watching this one. Sometimes when we preach about the grace of the Lord, we preach about salvation, it may sound like it's a premium feature. I've got life, I've got a job, I've got money, salvation sounds great, but do I really want to give up the extra hour out of my week? It's not a premium subscription service. It's not an add-on. Salvation is a matter of life or death. Yes. Salvation is a matter of whether you have the life that we've discussed or whether you don't. All of us will stand before the Lord on Judgment Day. And he's not going to pull out all of our deeds and say, this was good, this one not so good, this one was good, probably should have done that a little bit better, oh, that was horrible, oh, that was awful, but at least you did this. We're going to stand before the Lord, and there's only going to be one question on the agenda. There's going to be only one thing that we are measured by, and that's whether or not we trusted Jesus Christ to receive Amen. us in the kingdom. We are only going to be measured by whether or not we believed his gospel. That's the only question on the table. I don't care how many orphanages you built. I don't care how many millions you donated to charity. I don't care how faithful you were in your church attendance. I don't care how many sermons you preached, how many churches you pastored, how many times you went to the Congo on missions. The only thing you're going to be judged by is how you responded to the gospel. Jesus says in verses 27 through 29, and he has given me authority to execute judgment because he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Now notice this word, do not marvel at this. We're going to try to figure out, is God going to be on the throne? Is Jesus going to be on the throne? When is the judgment going to happen? Is it going to be post-tribulation, pre-tribulation, rapture, whatever? He says don't marvel at this. What that means is don't get too caught up on the details of this. Yeah. You need to know the big picture, okay? For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. And those who have done good, who have received the gospel to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil, who rejected the gospel, to the resurrection of judgment. You say it doesn't say that about the gospel in there, Leland. No, but read this in context with the rest of the Bible, and it's in there. The main point here is that there will be judgment. Do not miss the point that there will be judgment. God will call every person out of their graves, and all will be judged. The believers will be resurrected to eternal life in heaven. The non-believers will be resurrected to eternal damnation. Non-believers will be condemned before God on Judgment Day. And when we talk about non-believers, I mean, let's, let's get it in our heads what we're talking about here. We're talking about anybody who does not trust the gospel to receive them into heaven. Now, when we talk about the non-believers, we immediately go to those bad people, right? Those living in debauchery, in, in immorality, uh, drug addicts, drunkards, robbers, criminals, murderers, rapists, child abusers, thieves, you name it. We go to them, we're like, those are the evil ones. 
Those are the evil ones. Yeah, they're, they're going to be resurrected to eternal damnation. They're going to hell. Yes, but guess what? Also, those who rejected Christ in favor of their own personal holiness will be condemned as well. Here, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Those who feel like they can transaction their way with God into heaven without believing his gospel. They will stand before the Lord condemned. What's your answer? God is asking you, why should I let you into heaven? If your answer is anything other than the payment that Jesus Christ made on the cross on your behalf, you fall into this latter category. But I was baptized. You're trying to get into heaven on your baptism. No. You're getting into heaven on your faith. Your baptism was an expression of that faith. Your baptism was important. Your baptism was the mark of your belief. But it's not the act of your baptism getting you into heaven. It's the faith that puts you down in that water to begin with that gets you into heaven. I was a faithful church member. It's not going to get you into heaven. I was a great preacher of your word. Not going to get you into heaven. The Apostle Paul said, though I speak of the tongues of angels and men. Now he is referring to love in that passage. You can speak in the tongues of angels and men without faith in his gospel. You still stand before the Lord condemned. Scripture is clear. The one escape from condemnation is faith in Christ. Nothing else. And that faith comes from his word. It is easy to be distracted from your faith. It is easy to be distracted from the Lord. It is easy to be distracted from the gospel. J. Vernon McGee, I was listening. He had a question and answer show. I was listening to that on the way to Abilene yesterday. He said that one of Satan's biggest divisions, in other words, one of Satan's biggest departments, one of his biggest operations, is getting people's minds off God. We must be focused on his word. We must remain focused on his word. And his word is the gospel. I don't know what's coming up. I told y'all last week that we're headed for an economic collapse. And I'm reading the news last night and they're saying we're not headed for an economic collapse. In fact, I scrolled through the news and the picture of our economy moving forward is either really rosy or it's really bad. There's no in-between. I don't, I don't know enough about it to be able to tell you. War in Ukraine, are the Ukrainians going to win or are the Russians going to win? Is this going to be a wider is this going to be a wider conflict? Is there going to be a nuclear war? I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that. I have learned in the past few years that I know absolutely nothing about politics. That's a pretty big confession for me to make. But what I can tell you is no matter what happens, if we continue our focus on the Lord and we continue our faith in his gospel, we're not going to crash with Wall Street. We're not going to die with the global economy. Whatever happens, we will have life. We will have eternal life. And we will have abundant life yes. if we trust him. Let us stand.